Our congregation is working towards additional leadership, and therefore a lot of my sermons lately have been to cater toward that idea, and that will be true today. Uh, we haven't got into the qualifications or qualities of elders and deacons as yet. We'll get into that a little bit today. Uh, my title today is Godly Wife, a Leader's Wife. And so uh, I told Garland and Josh I wasn't going to pick on them today. And uh, I'm going to pick on their wives today. But uh, the book of Proverbs 31 beginning in verse 10, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? We probably have failed in some measures uh, in utilizing our, our women. Uh, we have, are taught in Scripture over and again the value, uh, not just of any woman, but the virtuous. And the, the, the role that they play is incredibly valuable, and so much so that the next statement, uh, when I decided I was going to make this statement, I had a, a fellow evangelist, he said, you can't make that statement. I said, I'm going to make that statement because I believe this is true and this is the statement. There are no godly men without godly women. None. He, he said, I just don't think that's true. And I said, well, I think you're blind and ugly and a whole bunch of other crazy names like us. We will treat one another. But the the influence that women have in our world, it, it's we can't calculate it. And whether or not you are married or those kind of things, you had a mother, you have had other women in the faith that influence us and help us and guide us along the way. And I'm dedicated to this idea that there are just no godly men without godly women. We would never have elders in a congregation like this if we didn't have godly women along. There wouldn't, there wouldn't be preachers. There wouldn't be deacons, there wouldn't be teachers. All those things would vanish without godly women. And so it's a very important role. And we're going to talk about a few things and why these things are critical. Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. The Lord God said it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Uh, I've studied this all my life. Uh, and I give a couple of sermons just a week ago on this subject. But I want you to notice what he says. I will make him and help that's meet for him. He made a partner for man. And God looked down and saw that man was not adequate by himself. He needed a helper. He needed aid. And he didn't look down and say the woman needs help. He looked down and saw the man alone needed help. And he created the perfect partner. And there, there, there's not a leader within the church who doesn't have to have a help. A woman that's there to help him in the task and with the role. And it's a tremendous part of eldering a flock. It's a tremendous part of being a deacon in a flock. It's a tremendous part of being an evangelist wife, of the work of an evangelist, a wife that's there to help him. And this word help means exactly what you would think it means. It means to render aid or to 
to give someone assistance is the idea. But I want you to notice that God said it's no good for him to be alone. I will make him an aid or an assistant that is meet, that's appropriate for him. And that's what God did. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 11. This, in, in a list of qualities that elders and deacons must have, we have two such lists. We have one in 1 Timothy 3. We also have one in Titus chapter 1. And they're basically parallel. They're almost exactly the same. But within 1 Timothy chapter 3, he sets aside the men for just a moment and he strictly talks about the leader's wives. And this is what he says. Even so must their wives, the elders and deacons, be grave, not slander, sober, faithful in all things. And so, there's qualifications for you ladies too. And here's the hard truth. There are some men who possess the qualities that are mentioned and have the qualities. And they have a wife who lacks the qualities. Okay? And there are some men who will not be leaders, elders or deacons within a church, even though they themselves possesses the qualities, but the wife doesn't. And so we think sometimes about those men, and they're good men, but their wife may lack something. The opposite is true too. There are some men who lack the qualities, but they have a wife who possesses all the qualities along the way. So let's get into these uh, qualities just briefly. The number one or first one he mentions is gravity. It's an old word that we don't use in such a way anymore. It's still used in the King James Bible. Uh, if you're using a new King James or some other version, it may say honorable or respectable. The word gravity means living in an honorable or respectable way. The word gravity is a word that's about our conduct. It's about presenting yourself with dignity or respectability. It is a woman who is virtuous, is the idea. She lives a life that we would look at and say, that's a respectable woman, that's an honorable woman. She is a virtuous woman. The same thing is said of the deacon in 1 Timothy 3 verse 8. Verse 8, rather, likewise must the deacons be grave. It's the exact same word. And so a leader's wife must be an honorable, respectable person. A person who is living the Christian life and walking the Christian walk is the basic idea. A pattern, you might say, of good works. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 16, a gracious woman retaineth honor. And so the idea is that she is a person who has got her act together, who understands scriptural things and conducts herself in a way that we would say today commands respect. That's the first idea. The next one is not a slanderer. So within all the qualities that are mentioned about elders and deacons and consequently their wives, there's some things they must have and there's things they must avoid. And for instance, elders and deacons are told to avoid the drinking of wine. They're told to avoid that. That's something don't do. They're told not to be a striker. Well, on the wife's side, they're to not be slanderers. This word... It's a very interesting word. It's one of the titles of Satan. If you study out some of the titles of Satan, it means a false accuser. A person who says things that just aren't true. Uh, Thayer defines this Greek word as simply prone to slander or prone to saying things 
that just are not true. In the book of Psalms chapter 34 and verse 13, he says, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. A leader's wife is going to have a wealth of information that comes to her. Information about the church, information about people, information about church situations, information about money, information about a host of things. And she has to be the kind of person who carefully keeps her tongue. Uh, If you are the wife of a leader, you're going to know secret things that people do and say. And I'll tell you, it is a burden. A real burden. And some of those things will tend to burn you and you feel like you may want to tell. But a woman who talks about things she should not, uh, or who a slander is a woman who talks about things she should not, or a woman who accuses others falsely. During World War II, it was popular, this saying, loose lips sink ships. And there were a lot of publicity, there were campaigns to promote us not being careless with our words. Uh, And the idea here is a rattlesnake was less dangerous than careless talk. And this is true within the church. There are some things that, that we can share and we can talk about. There are other things that we just cannot talk about. And uh, uh, certainly a leader's wife cannot accuse other people of things falsely. And that we've got to be careful about. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 13. And with all they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. We hear things from time to time that we would call them rumors today. Uh, these things that they were talking about, they were idle and they were, ta- they were tattlers. They were telling tales. They called them busybodies. There's some things that if you're a leader's wife, you just can't repeat. Absolutely cannot be repeated. And so this is another idea, one of those qualifications, not a slanderer. The third one that's described is is sober. Uh, This word's used in a host of ways, actually. It can mean exactly what we think of it means, as sober as in not drunk. It can also mean temperate or self-controlled, abstaining from wine, or finally circumspect. And the idea of circumspect is that we are wise in the things that we say and that we do. Another way of putting it would be careful to consider all circumstances and possible consequences. So I want to talk about a godly wife being sober. Uh, a few years ago, if I were to teach about being sober, I would have just simply said, well, she's serious. And, and that's really not what the word means. It, it can have that idea, but it really means that we are thoughtful about what we say and what we do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8, he says, But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet the hope of salvation. There are things that we need to really carefully look at and think about in our lives. We need to give thought to and prayer to and study and arm ourselves as he describes here the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Those things build us up and give us strength and we are 
thoughtful about those things and we make wise decisions about those, those things. One way that we might be sober in that is we turn off the television and we open up the Bible and we study those things that are going to give us strength and help us. We try to gain wisdom from His Word so we can make wise choices along the way. And we're going to step on not slanders just a little bit here but the idea that can go with being sober is that we must keep some knowledge, a leader's wife must keep some knowledge that she has secret. As in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 22, as a jewel of gold and a swine snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. I don't suppose there's ever been an elder that served in the church that someone hadn't come to that elder and said, your wife said X, Y, Z. Is that true? And the elders go, maybe. <laughs> and sometimes those things cause problems and sometimes they don't. The idea is not too pretty, is it? I grew up on a hog farm. I didn't see any jewels in any snouts. But the idea is very vivid from Scripture that this doesn't, those things don't work together at all. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 13, another idea of sobriety or along the idea of sobriety. He says, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. And whether we be sober, it is for your cause. I think the sense is to be beside ourselves would be to lose our faculties, to become so angry about a thing that we don't think. I don't get angry a lot. Uh, I think I get angry less than I used to, but when I would really get angry, I wouldn't even know what I said. I would be so angry, I would be beside myself. And you've heard the saying plenty of times, well, she's just beside herself. A woman could be that way because she was upset or because there maybe been some tragedy. But sobriety would be where we're in our right mind and we have our right thoughts about things that are going on. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, or chapter 4 rather, beginning of verse 26, he says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither, neither give place to the devil. <clears throat> if your husband's going to be a leader in the church, you ladies, there are going to be people that complain about him. There will be people that complain about the choices they make, the decisions they make. And you know what? It's fair. If you're a leader in the church, there are going to be people who complain about your children. How they dress, they run around too much, they don't run around enough, and on and on. And I tell every elder that I ever work with or deacon, when you go into the leadership, there's a target on your back. And I've told Garland before, you make a good target. <laughs> And you've got to have some toughness about you. You've got to have some seriousness about you. You've got to be willing to let those things roll off your back because some criticism is legitimate. And that's okay. It's not wrong for people to look at you and say, why are we doing this or why is this happening? And a woman who's a leader's wife has got to have these characteristics that she is a person who carries herself with honor and respect and is dignified. She's not a false accuser. She's sober. She weighs out her words. She gives thoughts to her words before she says them. She gives thoughts to her actions before she does them. And she's careful with what she says. And finally, the next thing is faithful in all things. Very broad term. 
A very broad thought. The word faithful means trusty or faithful. A person who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharges of duty. Faithful in all things. Well, you might say this is it's the catch-all. She is a helper to her husband. And if her husband's in leadership, that means she's a helper to leadership. A helper to her husband in that area. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. You may notice there's a lot of parallels in these passages. The leader's wife has got to be a woman who's active in the work of the church. Not just in behavior being good, but a woman who has behavior that's good, that she's not doing these things she shouldn't do, and here's a good one, teachers of good things. Actively working to help in the growth of the church. To help in the work of the church. And furthermore, she's got to be a woman who's able to teach other people. So why? That she can teach the younger women to follow in the same path. One of the things that's, that's missing in a lot of congregations that struggle is older women who are actively doing those things. We need older women to be actively working to be faithful in all these things. 1 Timothy chapter 2 beginning in verse 9. In like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but notice what he says in verse 10, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. The wife of a leader, an elder or deacon, is going to be filled with work. There's going to be jobs that are for you to do. Some of those are going to be physical. You may have to bake the church bread. You may have to clean the commodes. You may have to sweep and mop. Some of those are going to be spiritual in the sense of teaching. You may be asked by your husband to go to a home where someone's had a car wreck and lost a loved one. You may get a call in the middle of the night that there's a teenage young lady that's become pregnant and you're going to get to go and help your husband talk to parents who are hysterical. And all these things that we've talked about, gravity, not being a slanderer, sober, are going to all come into play in this kind of work. And so I would encourage you ladies to give thought to those things of how can I do this? What can I do that will help me prepare for this? Because you're going to be called in some difficult situations. You're going to hear some things you don't like to hear. You're going to learn things about people that are challenging. But you've got to be faithful in all those things. <clears throat> I, uh, as a young man, I starting out doing church work, traveling with Merle Fielder a lot. We went to a lot of nursing homes. I wasn't comfortable with that hardly at the first. 
There wasn't anything wrong with the people in the nursing home. There was some, I had a, it was a hard thing for me to get used to. And uh, working with the congregation, we went into a nursing home, and, and for whatever reason, I got paired up with a lady, and we went from room to room talking to these people. And she had this comfort, and she had this assurance. She, she handled that great, and I learned a lot from that lady because she had determined she was going to do that and embrace that as part of her role as a leader's wife. The book of Acts chapter 9 beginning in verse 36, we're going to read uh, a few passages here. There was at Joppa a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. Notice about this woman's life. This woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick and died, whom when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. And for as much as Lydia was not at Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. And Peter having, and this skipping down this little, Peter comes, and Peter having put them all forth uh, without, having bowed the knees, did pray, and having turned into the body, said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and having seen Peter, she sat up. And having given her his hand, he lifted her up, and having called the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. This woman, Tabitha, or Dorcas as she was called, she filled her life doing good works. Alms deeds. She, even though she was evidently alone, she, she gave money to those in need. She was a person who was involved with people in their homes. She made clothes, uh, coats and garments and gave it to the people and the widows. And part of that story that we didn't read all of it, they were there weeping with Peter and showing the clothes that she made. And so this woman, as part of being faithful in all things, was involved with people enough, took time of herself and her life to go out and work with people and provide them things that they needed in their life. So I want you to think about, as a woman in the church, I want you to ask yourself this question, what thing am I providing to other people that they need? Because every one of you ladies need to be working to provide something to people who have need. It's one of the things you have a very unique talent for, and it's a very important thing. In Acts chapter 18, verse 26, he says, This one also, speaking of Apollos, uh, this one also began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and Aquilus and Priscilla, having heard him, took him unto them and did more exactly expound unto him the way of God. Priscilla, the wife of Aquilus, was a woman who would sit down and privately teach a preacher the kind of knowledge she had, the kind of understanding she had. She was able to do that with her husband and they took him privately and she taught a preacher. So I would encourage all you ladies to dedicate yourself to being a teacher, to teach your children the Word of God. You older ladies, dedicate yourself to teaching the younger women, to helping them. Develop the kind of relationship with one another, you older ladies to the younger ladies, where they will come to you and say, I need help with teenage daughter. I need help with my 10-year-old son. I need help with my mother-in-law. And be the kind of person who's faithful in helping with those things. 
Matthew chapter 27, beginning of verse 55. We've got several more passages that are all in the idea with helping us to get the big picture of, of the involvement the women had in the work of the church. Matthew 27, 55. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee. Now listen carefully. Ministering unto him. Among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of Zebedee's children. These women were actively involved in doing what they could to help Jesus do what he did. Well, they didn't have the limelight. They worked beside the scenes, but this was the part of the work they were engaged in doing. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. I want you to notice what the apostle says. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is in Chentria, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of. Rather, whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. We just read about them a while ago. Listen to what they are. My helpers in Christ Jesus. Who have for my life laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks. But also all the churches of the Gentiles. We tend to take the New Testament. And especially from Acts on. And we tend to read it as if the only people working were Peter and Paul and all those guys, but that's just really not true. It's an inaccurate portrayal. All those women who were part of the church were busy helping and working, and Phoebe was one such woman. She was busy working and laboring for the church. Paul called her a servant of the church. That was her labor and that was her work and her faithfulness in all things. She took care of all kinds of business because the apostle said, you help her. With whatever business she has, you give her aid in that. Priscilla and Aquila evidently were on that list. And it's interesting because he names Priscilla first in this instant. Next, Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. We need faithful women using their talents, using their abilities, using the gifts that God has given you. We need those women engaged and working. And we'll never have, we will never have another elder or another deacon that doesn't have a godly woman behind them. You can't be an elder without a good woman behind you. You cannot be a deacon without a good woman behind you. You cannot have a congregation that grows and flourishes without good women that are working to be faithful in all things. We've blessed with a lot of wonderful women in this congregation and we need you to exercise your talents and abilities because women are soldiers of the cross. Women are soldiers of the cross. A godly wife is a leader's wife. 
This process is difficult. It's hard to uh, think about our lives, take the Bible and look at the qualifications and look at my life. It's hard to be fair. I think there's a lot of people that are harder on themselves than what the Bible is. That's one reason in the process, as we go through the process, we'll have evangelists from outside to come in and we'll take a fair look at these things. We're not going to go through this process next week. It, it may be another year or two before we do that. One reason we're doing these studies now is so everyone can look at these things and evaluate. In the next couple sermons that I bring, we'll look at the qualifications for the men, for elder and for deacon. We're going to look at a couple of different lessons on their work and what their work is and what it involves. But I want to encourage you ladies at this time to, to evaluate your life. Ask yourself, am, am I a person of gravity? Am I respectful and honorable in the things that I say and do? Have, have I got to talking about things I shouldn't talk about? Are there things I just need to keep quiet and private about? Am I sober? Am I careful and circumspect about things that happen and what's going to come up the road? And try to make wise choices. Am I faithful in all things? Am I using my talents and abilities for the good of God's kingdom and for the good of this church? Do I need to cultivate better relationships within the church? And if, if you need to change those things, then change them. You're, you're no different than any of us men. We're going to look at these qualifications and we're going to think about it and go, man, I need to change this. And I encourage you to change it for the good of yourself, for the good of your family, and ultimately for the good of this congregation, that we can have quality leadership and we can continue to grow. That's the study of the evening. I hope it's been inspiring to you in some way. I hope it's encouraging to you. And I hope you will embrace the role that God has given you because it's a wonderful role and it's full of blessings, not only for yourself but your family and all those who are part of the church.